seems like everywhere that we look, we see a judge. We have judges in our Supreme Court. We have all kinds of judges on television. I don't know if you remember Judge Wapner from the People's Court. Judge Judy, Judge Joe Brown, Judge Mills Lane, it's just all of these TV judges. We have reality show judges who, who are judges over, over a talent competition, Simon Cowell and Piers Morgan, among many, many, many other judges. And yet in Matthew chapter 7, though, Jesus speaks about other kinds of judges. Jesus speaks and he addresses our all-too-human problem of one human being looking down on another human being in a judgmental tone. And Jesus speaks about this in Matthew chapter 7. And starting at verse 1, here is what Jesus says. He says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way that you judge, you will be judged. And by the standard of measure that you use, it will also be measured to you. And then Jesus asks us a question where he says, Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye? Jesus once again uses the, the, the word hypocrite when he says, You hypocrite, first First remove the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to then take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now obviously there are all kinds of misconceptions about this particular verse that, that we just read. There are a lot of people in the world, largely who are um, outside of the church, and they use Matthew 7, 1 as an ace of spades of saying, that either you will rejoice, celebrate, and accept everything that I say and do, or if you do not, then, well, you're judging me. And Jesus said, don't judge. Many people have heard Jesus say that we need to, to um, correct each other. And they take this as a license that, that all Jesus wants me to do is to go around correcting everybody 24 hours a day, seven days a week. That is also not at all what Jesus is expressing here. Now, as it pertains to, to human beings judging each other, really in this particular way, Scripture speaks about this in really just, just a couple of ways. One is a very gentle, very humble correction where, where it's a person who is very, very mature as a follower of Christ. And what their correction is predicated upon is the gentle, humble wisdom of God. And yet there is an entirely other kind, kind of judgment that we read about in Scripture. And this other kind of judgment is where I am going to belittle another person. I'm going to, to chastise them. I'm going to emasculate them as a human being so that my ego can, can be inflated. That is not at all what, what God wants, but, but guess which one Jesus is referring to. And so as Jesus says, do not judge, it is a word which means that we make a separation. It also means that, that we are condemning a person basically to eternal torment. It means that I am taking it upon myself. I will determine 
what kind of person this is right here. And I mean, this is what we do when we rush into judgment in this way. We're making a line of separation. Good people over here, bad people over here. The people who I like over here and the people who I hate and, or who do not like quite as much, I'm going to put them over here in this undesirable category over here. And yet as we read this though, if we, re if we read it very carefully, what we hear Jesus saying, in other words, is that we, we need to be corrected sometimes. But that also what we see is that we need to make judgments as Christians in the church sometimes. As we read, for instance, in the book of 1 John, it says, Do not believe every spirit, but rather test and try the spirits. See whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. The only way that we can really do this and to fulfill what this is saying is, is we've got to make, make some, some kind of a judgment. I also remember how the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the church at Corinth, there is a situation in chapter 5 in 1 Corinthians where a man has a very improper relationship with, with his father's wife. Nobody's really doing anything about it. And so Paul says, eventually he says, notice that I have already judged him who has committed these unspeakable acts. And so sometimes in the church, we, we need to make, make um, um, a judgment of sorts. And yet what Jesus is saying here is, yes, correct one another, at times even rebuke each other, admonish one another as we read elsewhere. And yet before you go to that person, be very, very, very careful how you go about that. And that's because when we rush into judgment, this world does not see a bunch of Christ followers walking around what they see is something more like, like this. Where we're walking around and we have taken it upon ourselves that, that you know, I'm going to be a judge over other people in this world. And rather than, than, than walking around showing people embodying Jesus Christ, what they see are a bunch of angry colonial judges who have gavels in their hands who just are looking for anybody who they can condemn and sentence to eternal um, hell and to torments. I mean, I know, I know that this looks ridiculous, doesn't it? And yet if we played word association with, 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 with so many people in this world who are not Christians, what people are going to immediately think when they hear the word Christian is, is this right here. As a judge, always walking around, you know, ordering the court. You know, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. Oh, by the way, you're going to hell too. And so before we bang the gavel, there are, are many things that we learn from Jesus that, that first we really need to be doing. First of all, we need to ask ourselves this question. Are these absolute facts that I'm going into this conversation with? I mean, are these the absolute facts, or am I just jumping to conclusions? I mean, is this the absolute truth, or is this reckless speculation? There is, is a man who used to be in the NBA, his name is Eddie Johnson, a man who I met a number of times, and who even had said that he was praying for my mom. And yet in 2006, though, he was 
on vacation in Hawaii, and all of a sudden his, his iPhone began exploding with, with calls and with text messages. As news broke about how former NBA player Eddie Johnson is, has been arrested for abusing a very young, young girl, about eight or nine years, years, years of age. And so many people had said, you see, all of these athletes are, are all exactly the same. I mean, all they are, are are just a bunch of thugs and reprobates. And so many people had said that, well, of course he was guilty of this. And he describes this as the absolute worst day of his entire life. And that's because he did not do this. What actually happened was that there was another former NBA player who played a decade before him, also named Eddie Johnson, who was the person who actually did this. And yet what he says, though, he says, he says so many people have been overzealous enough to actually want that to be me and who attacked me with a ferocity that I cannot comprehend. He said, that is what kept me up all night long. They wanted it to be true about me, even though he is an upstanding member of society. But I mean, this is what we do when we, we rush into judgment just like this. I was listening to, to a radio show not that long ago, and it spoke about a man who was driving very, very um, slowly on a certain road. As you might imagine, many people had been honking at him. All these insults about how stupid he was. I mean, rushing into judgment on him. And what happened is this guy had been a war veteran, driving tanks through, through minefields very, very slowly. And so now he has PTSD as he drives, thinking that, that still he's driving through a minefield. This is what we do when we, we rush into judgments. We were at a church once, Amanda and I were, were at a church once, and we, we had a deacon there who, at the time, my impediment had been at its absolute worst. And, and um, he taught a class one, one evening, and he said in front of all these people in church that, that the reason why you had stuttered so severely is because you were worshiping Satan. You've got the devil in you. And for a person who has been horrifically mis misjudged his entire life, being called stupid, mentally handicapped, slow of mind, and all this other stuff, all that did was just pile on to, to a lifetime of being misunderstood and mis misjudged. He even looked at a friend of mine who was alive at the time and he said the reason why his, his wife had died of cancer is because, well, she never really was, was a Christian in the first place. And yet he never met this woman in his life, never even knew actually what, what um, a beautiful woman of God that she actually was. But I mean, as people, we just have this nasty little habit of jumping to conclusions of rushing into judgment and of assuming the absolute worst about each other before we have the facts. And so what Jesus is doing is that he is inviting us to, to a much slower, much more reluctant, hesitant, humble, cautious kind um, of judgment on each other. And to do away with them, our wig and our gavel, because in that eternal sense, there is only one person who has gavel access, and guess what? It's not us. There's only one righteous judge who we will stand before on that day. The um, scribes and Pharisees acted like this all the time. They would see lepers, 
men who were born blind, women who had been divorced for absolutely no reason. And they would say, the reason why you are in this predicament is because you got exactly what was coming to you. Are, you are an extremely evil and a wicked person. And so what we learn first from, from Jesus is that before we bang the gavel on, on another person, first we need to actually ask questions. We have to learn what, what is true and what is not true. And then we need to, to, as much as we can, give the other person a benefit of the doubt. And yet secondly, though, we also need to ask ourselves very important question, why do I want to correct this other person? In other words, what, what is my, my motivation in doing this? And in our text, Jesus says, he says, why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye? And, you know, a speck is so minuscule that the only way you can really see it is that you've got to go out of your way looking for it, right? And so what Jesus is addressing here is a person who is very eager who's looking for, for any opportunity whatsoever where I can put a person in their place, where I can feel as if I am superior to them and I make them feel as if they are my inferior. And so a lot of times what we do is we once again go back to our, our, our wig and, and we rip, rip God's gavel out of his hands and it's like one person is going to, to, to now be convinced that, that the reason why God put me on this planet was to convince everybody else how incompetent they are. And to make them feel as if every single word that they, they say is wrong. That everything that they, they do is wrong. And that you just speak down to them as if they were, were a child or a dog. I've experienced many times that that we as people have a tendency of judging each other sometimes just because we don't like the other person. It might be, well, I don't like how young he is, or I don't like how old he is, I don't like, like how loud he is, I don't like how quiet he is. I don't like how he always jokes around, I don't like how he's always serious all the time. Or it might just be that the other person might just, re might just remind us of a person who he once knew, who had treated us bad. And now we are, are projecting all of that, that animosity onto to some other person who had nothing to, to even do with that experience. You see, this is what we do when we, we judge each other in this way. How, when we, how if we like another person, we give them a benefit of the doubt. We laugh at their jokes as they tell them. We support them and we help them get back up when they've fallen down. But when we do not like another person, we look for any kind of flaw that there is within them, even if we, we have to, to merely imagine it. We go out of our way not to laugh at their jokes. We ostracize them. We condemn them even when they succeed. And yet what I learned here in Matthew chapter 7 is, is that Jesus does not need our help in judging other people. Jesus does not need me to be a church cop. He needs me to be, be a truth teller and to be a gospel minister. God doesn't need us to be his attack dogs or, or his lawyer. 
making people in church feel as if they are on a witness stand. God needs a bunch of people who invite Jesus' power and influence inside of us. See, this is exactly what Jesus says not to do. Where one commentator says that the condemnation always involves some degree of self-righteousness and of distancing ourselves from the person who we are condemning. Again, it is a line of separation that we draw whenever we, we are guilty of this. And yet I love what we read in Romans chapter 8, though. As it says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, now, now therefore there is now no condemnation for all of those who are in Christ Jesus. That, I mean, that is music to, to our ears. People living in this world of judgment and condemnation. The only one who has gavel access in that sense says, if you are in Christ Jesus, there is no more condemnation anymore. And the whole reason why we need to have spiritual correction in the church, it's not to, to, to one-up another person. It's not to, to ever get even or to guilt trip somebody. The only reason why there, there is a need for, for having spiritual correction in the church is to help, is to heal, is to inspire that other person along with us for, for, for um, a maturity in a spiritual sense. And so after we have asked those first two questions, now we need to completely eradicate our self-righteousness. And the surest way that we do that is before we bang the gavel on that person, we then need to take a very, very, very long look in the mirror. Long time ago, in, in one, one of his comedy specials, Eddie Murphy, he tells a story about how Bill Cosby called him up and said that you're too dirty on stage. And I don't think that there is a person in this auditorium who would be on Eddie Murphy's side there in that sense. But what is wrong with this picture right here? Bill Cosby lecturing anybody about morality. I mean... As it hits the news recently, I mean, how many women was it? 50, 60, 70 women, all basically saying the, the um, exact same thing, dating back all the way to the 1960s. I mean, this is not exactly a good messenger on this cause right here. Maybe another person could, could have, but, but of all people, not Bill Cosby, right? What we see here in our text is that it's so easy to only notice imperfection in other people. That we hyperanalyze them through, through a microscopic lens. And yet so often we are unwilling to even take, take one second glances in the mirror at ourselves. As we read in the book of Romans that, that all of you who are confident that you yourself are a guide to the blind, that you are a light to those who are in darkness, that you are a corrector of the foolish and a teacher of the immature, you who teach another, do you not also teach yourself? You who preach that, that one shall not steal, he says, do you steal? You who say that, that, one should not, that one should not commit adultery, he says, do you commit adultery? And as Jesus speaks about, about um, a speck and a, and a log, this would have drawn laughter all across that mountainside that day because he's using... 
intentionally outlandish hyperboles here. He's also using carpentry terms as, as he has that imagery of this tiny little speck of sawdust. Very small concern. And yet the person who is confronting this, this um, other individual about a tiny little speck of sawdust, he's got this huge, heavy, wooden beam coming out of his eyes. What Jesus is referring to was, was a huge wooden structure that, that had supported roofs. But we need to understand, though, that as Jesus says this, Jesus is not justifying wrong that other individual might be doing. But what he's doing is still, his context is Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, where he is contrasting scribes and Pharisees' righteousness with the true righteousness of Jesus Christ. Many scribes and Pharisees, as we know, had been running around saying they don't wash hands before they eat. Or Jesus reached out and he touched a person who we call a sinner. And yet, what they themselves had been guilty of is doing stuff like blaspheming God's Holy Spirit. You know, the one and only unforgivable sin Scripture speaks to. They were worshiping money and fame. And all that they were doing was just drawing lines of separation, lepers over here, righteous people over here, and stuff like that. And so this is what, what really he, he is exposing. And, and so really what Jesus is trying to communicate to us is that before we go to another person in a judgmental way, we need to, to, to ask ourselves, am I currently also living in the opposite way? Am I an example of what I am speaking about? I like to ask myself, have they built me a 24-karat gold sparkling statue in the church parking lot just yet? And if the answer of that question is no, then I need to be very careful what I say to this other person because I don't have a statue either. And yet what we see more than anything, though, is that I also need to be growing up in Jesus just as much as they do. So once we take that very, very long look in the mirror, what we then need to do is to take a very, very, very long look at that other person. Notice how in the text what, what Jesus says is he uses the word brother. And so as we go to this other individual, this is not our rival. He's a brother in Christ. That this is not an enemy of mine, that is my sister in Christ. I mean, week after week, we are, are just limping in here. And the very last thing in this world that, that you or that I need is to come into a worship setting and to have 30 or 40 judges in our faces with that gavel in their hands. I mean, we do not need Judge Judy or, or Simon Cowell or Piers Morgan. We don't need a witness stand here in the body of Christ. We need Jesus Christ alive and very vibrant inside of us. And so if we have corrected someone in the church, only to make that other individual feel as if they, they are one inch tall and that they never want to, to ever set foot through those doors ever again, we have failed. And so once we have, have, have taken that, that very long look at another person, 
the very last thing that we need to do is, is perhaps what is, what is most important. Here's where this gets very, 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 very intense for us. Where, where we need to ask ourselves, is this how I want God to judge me? Because after all, here's how we are to judge. Where it says, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are, are spiritual, you who are a mature person already exemplifying that, Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, looking to you yourself so that you too will not be tempted. Then it says, bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. I mean, I don't think anybody here wants to to one day stand before God who is going to decide our eternal destination and for him to be a very harsh God or a judge who is very unfair, or who has all of his facts wrong, who is very ignorant about what actually happened and, and is embellishing what, what is really happening in reality. Do we want to, to ever stand before an eternal judge and for that judge to be very capricious in that, well, I don't like the way that, that you smell, so I'm going to condemn you. I don't like the way that you look. I mean, we would not want that for, for we ourselves. But what Jesus is saying to us, though, is that we will be judged in the way that, that we are judging other people. And so what we read about this in the book of James is that, in just chilling words where it says, for judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. But what it says is that mercy triumphs over judgments. See, this is precisely that kind of judge God is. See, those are the only two measures God is ever going to, to judge us according to one day. It's going to be according to, to justice, but it's also especially going to be according to his divine mercy. And it's what we read as the book of Jude concludes, as it says, that now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and then catch this, where he says, and to make you stand in the presence of his glory blameless and with great joy. I mean, there's not a person here. I mean, every single one of us have done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of unspeakable things that, that we would never want anybody else to, to ever know that we've done. God watched every one of these unfold before his eyes. But he can look on 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 us, guilty of, of all of these things. Yet it, it's as if we have never sinned before. And we can have great joy as we, we stand before him. It's like an Olympic skater where we watch the Olympics and, and she does a couple things right, but all, all that she, she is doing is just falling flat on her face over and over again. It's just so awkward and clumsy. And yet it gets to the very end and the judges are all deliberating and the judge holds up a perfect 10 for her. See, this is exactly how God judges his creation. It's not exclusively injustice, but, but his grace gives us what we do not deserve. And when we learn that kind of grace, really until we become people who can look at each other gracefully and with mercy, we are not yet ready to, to ever approach another person in a judgmental way. 
So as we bring this to a close this morning, the the righteous eternal judge has condemned self-righteous judgmentalism. Maybe the way that at least a few of us need to respond to this message here this morning is to to just simply stop trying to always please other people. I mean, I'm speaking to to no one more than, than, than me myself right now. Because I've learned that there are so many people in this world who would not be ever pleased even if Jesus Christ himself came, came walking through that door. Please God. God is the only one who is capable of being pleased across the board when we live for him. But how all the rest of us also need to respond to this is as we look at one another that we assume the absolute best about each other. And sometimes, yes, it is the worst case scenario. And when it is the worst case scenario, what we need to do is to create a safe place for that person. There is a writer whose name is Anne Voskamp, and I love how she says this. She says, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Not on a witness stand, not in an interrogation room under um, a dim light, but rather in a safe place. We were in, in North Carolina with, with a long, long-time friend of mine from many years ago. and From the moment I walked through the door, she could tell that, that I was in a state of depression. And she had spent an hour and a half saying, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, you need to do, do that, you need to do this and this and that. But at no point did it ever feel as if it were an interrogation or a reprimand or a witness stand. And that's because I found myself in a very safe place where she had been speaking from, I had been there before. I mean, your story is my story. And here's how we can get get out of this. As Jesus told the, the Apostle Peter just before he went to the cross, he says, when you have returned to me, he says, strengthen your brothers. This is exactly that, that kind of correction Jesus envisions in the hearts of his followers. That when we have fallen, when we have seen evidence of our own imperfections, make that an opportunity to then strengthen your, your brothers and your sisters. Do not judge, Jesus says, or you will be judged. And for the measure that you use in judgment on others, it will also be measured unto you.